So hello everyone, um, welcome to today's webinar. It's just gone one o'clock, so I'm just going to give everyone a chance to join. Do feel free to drop into the Q&A box and say hi. Um, we've disabled the chat feature as we've discovered it can cause problems for some people using screen readers. So I'm just going to give it a few more moments. Okay, and we're going to make a start now. Um, so hi everyone and welcome to the 11th session now in our um, Accessibility Insights series where AbilityNet's Head of Digital Inclusion, Robin Christofferson, hosts a monthly online chat with individuals who are each working to improve digital accessibility and digital inclusion. And this month he's chatting to the co-founders of Global Accessibility Awareness Day, aka GAD, Jenison Assumption and Joe Devon. So I'm Annie Mannion and I'm Digital Communications Manager at AbilityNet and I'll be running you through today's session. So just to go through a few bits of housekeeping, um, we have live captions provided today by MyClearText and you can turn on the captions using the CC option on the control panel. We do also have addi additional captions available via streamtext.net forward slash player question mark event equals AbilityNet. Um, slides are also available at slideshare.net forward slash AbilityNet and also on our website at abilitynet.org.uk GAD, which is G-A-A-D dash webinar. And then if you have any technical issues and you need to leave early, don't worry, you'll all receive an email in a couple of days time with the recording, the transcript and the slides. And then depending on how you joined the webinar, you'll find a Q&A window if you'd like to ask Jenison, Joe or Robin any questions, um, do drop those into the Q&A area for them to address and they'll do that after today's session in a follow-up blog on our website. Again, that'll be at GAD, G-A-A-D-Webinar. And finally, we have a feedback survey that you'll be um, directed to at the end, which invites you to tell us about any future topics you'd like us to cover in our webinar. So that's all from me for now. So over to Robin, Jenison and Joe. Fantastic. Thanks, Annie. Welcome, Jenison and Joe. Thank you so much for giving us the time. Busy guys, particularly at this time of the year. You kind of um, said a good time, though, but, but we're happy to be here. This is Jenison speaking. Brilliant. Thanks, Jenison. And thanks, Joe. So the first question, really cheesy, but we always ask, have you guys got a beverage of some description to help you through this ordeal? I've got a nice cup of tea here or in a mug, apparently, which says, what is it? I love coffee or something like that. So anyway, what have you guys got? So this is Jenison and I have got uh, overpriced flavored uh, flat water in a bottle. Good. That's good. And, Joe, have you got anything? My... Yes, in my LA Kings mug, I have a warm uh, chicken soup. Wow. Okay. LA Kings, baseball, mm -hmm. football, hockey. hockey. Yeah, we're, we're both from Canada, so hockey <laughs> is kind of in our blood. That should have been the go-to, <laughs> shouldn't it? Apologies. Yeah. Cool. Fantastic. Great. That's a good start, isn't it? Okay. So first question then, first proper question. Um, so G-A-A-D, GAD has been around this is the 10th anniversary now is I bet it? you had absolutely <laughs> doo -doo -doo, I bet you had absolutely no idea that it was going to really take off in the way it has done so before we go into you know more questions what can you just give us an idea now 10th year what's the sort of number and scale of the events that are going on across the world 
in guard day, but also probably week, you know, the days either side too. Joe, you want to take this one? Sure. So I would say that a lot of GAD uh, really happens on Twitter, a good deal of it. I mean, it happens all over. There are lots of events and things like that. But the place where you'll see lots of people posting it on social is particularly Twitter. Um, and we had been gathering statistics on it. Uh, we stopped a couple of years ago when we reached 200 million Twitter reach, uh, 200 million users. Uh, would see, I, I, I believe that what Twitter means by Twitter reach is the number of users that have seen posts with, uh, with this particular hashtag. And since Twitter's active user count is 200 million, we figured <laughs> there's not much more to go from there. So we even stopped, you know, looking at statistics. So if you're on Twitter, you're going to see a post about GAD um, on the day. Um, there's so many events happening. Um, I think we're probably at a, what, 200, uh, 200 events yeah. at last year on our website. The pandemic, even with, even with the pandemic, people got creative, uh, you know, everything was virtual, but there, yeah, like you said, Joe, there were like 200, uh, over 200. Yeah. And, um, and I would say that that's the events that people posted on globalaccessibilityawarenessday.org. There's probably at least as many that are never like that are internal and not mentioned. I run into companies all the time that that say that they've been doing things internally. So uh, let's say our guest is probably 400 events. Great. I mean, I don't think we're posting this one on there. So that's 201. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And also, I'm, I've been asked to speak on events both before and after the day itself as well. So, yeah, it's really, it is a week, really, if not further, you know. Well, we, yeah, we know companies, <laughs> we know companies that actually make it a month, uh, yeah. a full month. Mm -hmm. And what's really, what's really neat about this uh, is that uh, people use, we people use the, the GAD platform, if you will. As, a, as sometimes as a, as, a, as a reason or an excuse to raise accessibility for the first time in companies or to uh, uh, launch a product uh, or to start a campaign or to end something or to, to make it as an announcement. So we're, we're, we're fine with all that. So long as it involves digital access or, or inclusion, um, you know, at this point, Joe and, Joe and I kind of are just like standing to the side and, and watching, watching things just happen. It, it's amazing. Wow. I mean, it really, it's just the journey has been incredible. So if we do look back over the last 10 years, the lifespan of, of GAD, what do you think the most significant changes? I mean, there's been so many changes in technology mm -hmm. in general, in take up of digital, particularly over yeah. the last 12 months or 18 months. What do you think I, the most would, significant yeah. changes in accessibility have been? I, I would say, time? yeah, but what we're seeing in terms of, uh, like, if we look at it from the perspective of the types of, uh, tweets or, or companies and things that are really getting into it, uh, into the GAD spirit, gaming is huge. Um, and, and, and so that whole, that whole area of uh, accessibility and gaming is big. And then the learning, uh, e-learning companies are also really stepping up uh, and, and doing stuff on GAD. So I would say trend-wise, we're seeing a lot more, or I'm, at least I'm seeing a lot more on that front, gaming related things and, and e-learning. What about uh, Joe? Are you trend-wise? Um, I would say there's a lot more awareness where there was, there was none when I first wrote the blog post that turned into GAD, there was, there was almost none. And I'd say that there's awareness. There's not nearly enough change that I've seen. I agree with, with what you said, Jenison, for sure. 
Um, we've been doing, uh, Diamond, my company has been doing a state of accessibility report the last couple of years. Um, and we partnered with, uh, um, uh, with WebAIM and, you know, the numbers they show are 98% are of the web is inaccessible. So there's a lot of work to be done, but I just want to add that we, we've also done like manual testing of the top hundred websites, and that's where we're seeing improvement. So we're seeing that the, that 40% of the top hundred websites um, are really very accessible. And then you add another 20% or so that are accessible with difficulties. So I'd say at the top tier, um, it's, it's really changed a lot. And but, yeah. um, the rest of the web, I hope, will follow along with, with the leadership of the top uh, tech and, companies. Yeah. And just two things I want to add is, is fundamentally, I personally don't believe in a website or anything being completely accessible, 100% accessible. That, to me, is a moving target just because of the way stuff is developed these days. You know, a screen that's accessible today because of sprints and, and the way we run things more in an agile fashion uh, predominantly, that screen could be broken tomorrow and then it could be fixed again. So it's, it's always a moving target. Um, that's one thing um, that, that I wanted to say on that front. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave it there for the second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. It's a journey. You never actually arrive. And um, despite that, you know, despite people thinking or, or becoming more aware of the importance of it, but also the kind of um, complexities of trying to achieve, you know, uh, be in the ballpark of an accessible, inclusive website. Um, and Robin, yeah, and Robin, if sorry, if I could just add one thing. Um, this is just the web that Joe and I have been talking about. Yeah. Who we have no idea because let's face it, the world is on mobile. Uh, there's yet to be any kind of similar undertaking to understand how we're doing with the top mobile apps. Um, that would be great if that were ever to be done. But we need to also focus. We spend a lot of time talking about the web, and I and I get it. It's important. But GAD is all about all types of technology, uh, and we really we as in GAD. So I'm, I'm looking at you, Joe. We need to uh, we need to do more. Uh, on the mobile side of things, making sure the mobile app developers are also doing exactly what the web has, uh, folks have been doing for the last 10 years. And maybe we need to create a mobile app uh, in order to spur uh, more interest in that. But there's so much more and there's kiosks, there's all kinds of other technologies out there that we don't want any of that stuff to get lost because that all falls in, into the, uh, within scope of GAD. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me add one, one thing, if you don't mind, um, that I just thought of. Uh, AR, VR, it's mm. the next thing that's going to change um, technology. I mean, it's the next big technology, and it touches wearables as well. And the top companies that are doing it are aware of accessibility, and mm. I believe that they're going to be paying a lot of attention to it. Um, wearables in particular, if you get it right with people with disabilities, you're going to have the best product. Um, and so I have a lot of hope for, for the future, the next technology finally kind of bringing accessibility in right at the start. And if I could give props to uh, an organization called XR Access. So if you use your favorite search engine and look for XR Access, that's an organization uh, here, uh, I think it's primarily here in the US, that's to, to Joe's point, it's tackling uh, this whole issue of a, uh, augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality, people like Larry Goldberg and other uh, leaders are involved in that. So I just wanted to give props uh, on that end. 
Brilliant. So I was going to ask you about how the changes that we've seen in the landscape of accessibility have, you know, have been accomplished over the last 10 years. But I mean, we look, we've been talking about mobile. This has been the time frame of the rise of mobile. You're absolutely right. And that offers really good choices for people to have a much more disciplined, distilled, uh, consistent experience. And you mentioned about tools earlier, the tooling to help developers create accessible products on mobile, you know, almost out of the box, kind of without having to worry too much about it has played a massive part as have tools on the desktop, you know, HTML5, as long as you stay native, then, you know, that's half the battle. Won. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, as long as you stay within the guardrails yep. of, of the out of the box. <laughs> stuff. But what's nice about the mobile devices, Robin, if I could say is that they, they have all of the accessibility features built in. So there's no excuse for an engineer or a designer or a UX person to mm -hmm. just flip on a voiceover or a talk back or pick up, like do switch, switch device or voice, or voice control or voice access. There's no excuse. Uh, anyone within the sound of our voices now, now knows that that stuff is there. So if you knowingly don't use any of that stuff, uh, whether it's there or on the web, uh, if you're not using any tooling, uh, any of the test automation, or if you're not using native controls, in essence, what you're doing is you are introducing tech debt and bugs into production for your, uh, for your product or feature that you're working on. In addition to excluding, uh, potentially excluding more than a billion people with this. Yeah. You have to layer on accessibility if you don't stay native or yeah, yeah out of the box is a good place for, you know, accessibility, particularly on mobile. So, um, yeah, can I, can I add something to that too before you yeah. go to your next question? Um, uh, Facebook has taken the GAD pledge to make uh, React Native uh, accessible. So uh, they have done a the lot GAD, of work. What is the GAD pledge, Joe? I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> uh, the, the, the GAD pledge is essentially the idea kind of started with, uh, uh, with open source projects, um, where the open source project first and foremost makes a commitment. Uh, to making their open source project accessible. Um, there's lots of other little details, but I don't want to go into, into all of those because I think what we're trying to achieve when we're bringing accessibility into an organization is that it would be part of the culture, part of the core values of the project or organization. And so um, the idea with the GAD pledge was really to focus on the frameworks that people build technology in because if the frameworks are more accessible, they include accessible documentation, they include accessible examples, then the developers that take up that project will uh, do, a, do a better job of accessibility, which affects, can affect millions of users downstream. So we're very happy that, uh, that Facebook was the first one to take that pledge and we hope to see um, more open source projects and organizations take the pledge. Fantastic. And that has a parallel with another recent, relatively recent development in the area of accessibility, which is the sort of idea of a maturity model, actually embedding accessibility right across your organization and its processes and practices, etc, tooling, um, which just didn't exist, you know, several years ago. And I think that really helps as well because people were firefighting before they were reactive, talking about react, um, they were, you know, not embedding things throughout, you know, they're, they're now thinking about shifting left, you know, going to the beginning of a project and um, taking a more holistic, comprehensive approach to accessibility. Have you guys seen that as well? 
definitely seen organizations talk about shifting left um, and some of them most certainly have, absolutely. Um, I think I, I love the concept of the accessibility maturity model. Um, I'd love to see, uh, to see more documentation online that's kind of really, uh, really well put together. There was one um, that was put together years ago by Sherry Bernhaber, but I think something got lost in translation because I couldn't quite find uh, I couldn't quite find it in order. Um, so I, I think we have a little bit of work to do there um, in terms of documenting it. Yeah, I think, um, I, and I believe Microsoft uh, has put out uh, uh, their maturity model. Um, I believe I saw that some uh, online. Uh, so uh, Jenny, don't, don't shoot me if that <laughs> wasn't the case. But, uh, but I, believe, I, believe, I believe that um, that, uh, that that was the case. But if, if you use your favorite search engine, and type accessibility maturity model, you'll find stuff. And honestly, having it in one place is great, but, but a lot of it just makes common sense once you get into it. It, 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 it really is. And part of it is just about accountability measurement and, and just making sure that you can track like progress over time. Absolutely. And we're um, kind of optimizing our own version of it as well, because there are a few out there and they're quite... Yeah. Um, similar, but at the same time, you know, they have maybe um, strengths and, and, you know, different areas of challenge that they would bring to applying it to different organizations. So yeah, we're in that journey as well. And there's a lot of interest there too. So that's really, really good. Okay, let's bring the time frame a little bit closer to today. The last 12 months, 18 months with COVID, home working. Jenison, you've got a disability, haven't you? Yes, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm completely blind. Okay, cool. I say cool, but you know, it yeah, is yeah, what yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. And Joe, are you, do you have any kind of impairment or is that? Not, I mean, no, is that... I mean, a great question. I don't <laughs> think of it as disability, but I'm 53. So that comes with, uh, <laughs> you know, like floaters in the from... eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clouds okay. in the eyes. I got surgery to fix my vision and it, all it did was tell me that I have a bunch of stuff in my eyes that, that and it's not been my glasses that have been smudged. It's my eyes. Interesting. <laughs> Robin, just Robin, real quick, because I know we kind of joked about this for a second, but but I, I did want to mention uh, something that you you Robin probably know well what I'm about to say. But you know, GAD is all about uh, making sure like the conversations happening for, around people with disabilities and access. But the reality is, you know, sure there's the 15% of us who have disabilities or impairments. But just a reminder to everyone uh, listening uh, out there that there's more than that. There's the folks with situational disabilities. Uh, people who have a temporary disability, like a broken arm, or like Joe, uh, just getting older and just acquiring, um, you know, disability. Fortunately, Joe was able to get surgery to get get that dealt with. But the reality is, all of us are getting older, and stuff happens. So there's always this focus on like that 15% figure and and all that, but it's a lot more, and and there's more than just. Uh, the average person with a disability that you see down walking down the street uh, who you're helping uh, with uh, making stuff accessible. And that's one thing that has come out in within GAD is we're seeing a lot a, a lot more uh, time spent talking about invisible disabilities and accessibility because it's Absolutely. not just all about blind people and screen readers, right? Yeah, um, although we're yeah. tough customers to... Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. But yes. still, I agree. Yeah. In fact, that, I would go actually... into... Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go 
Um, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Jenison. I'm actually working on a, on a presentation now to talk about how all of our statistics are completely wrong. They just don't even make sense on the face of it. Um, the WHO talks about that 15% statistic, but they also mention that 2.2 billion people have a visual impairment, which is 28% of the population. So taking that alone, you're, you're almost double that 15%. We don't know the real figure, and maybe disability is the wrong word to apply to accessibility. I'm beginning to think that so I I go even further I agree with you guys 100% but I actually on all in all my presentations and in many of my articles I go further and say look guys everybody who uses a mobile phone slides up and down that scale of impairment on an, an hour by hour a minute by minute basis you know using your phone one-handed small sheets of shiny glass on a sunny day bumpy bus noisy cafe so yeah I think it, it's such a broader audience than people used to think, you know, accessibility, oh, it's for those disabled people. So yeah, absolutely keep that message, you know, loud and clear because One that yeah. really opens up budgets, et cetera. One phrase that we, uh, we use uh, in my day job at, at, at LinkedIn we talk about is where you solve for one and extend to many. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, in this extreme computing age. So we're running out of time. So let's crack on um, <laughs> talking about COVID and home working yes. and the yep. massive rise of, of you know, online, um, remote collaborative working, all that sort of thing. How has it impacted you guys personally and the organizations that you work for? So, so I want to say that for me, it's been fine and it's been great. And one, one benefit, uh, and I'll just keep it to one, for, for, so I work at, at a company which has lots of conference rooms spread over lots of buildings. And, to, and when we were pre-COVID, I would always have to check to see where a meeting was taking place. And if it was in a place that was unfamiliar to me, then I would have to uh, make arrangements to either meet a colleague somewhere or to walk over with a colleague. Now, that's all been dis dis disappeared because all I have to do is just like use a link and, and activate the link and be there. And, and I never thought about that as being like anything, but it is like now I can book meetings. It doesn't matter. Like I don't have to worry about which building it's going to be in. Um, I, can, I can attend meetings again because I don't have to worry physically where it is. So for me, that's been a huge advantage, uh, which I just only came to appreciate as people kept asking me. So what are the benefits for you? Uh, like you just asked me, Robin. So I'll leave that. That's my big advantage. Uh, Joe, do you have any, have you heard anything or in terms of sure. advantages for the co-working? Yeah, I've, uh, I've been running events for over a decade now and most of them would be in person and worrying about the accessibility, I think mistakes have a bigger impact in a lot of ways uh, when, when it's physical. Uh, so now we ASL every event, we closed caption every event, um, learned a lot about all the things that can go wrong, like, um, so like a captioner not showing up or not having Wi-Fi, <laughs> uh, having it go down in the middle, having the auto captions go super fast as your backup. And I got to compliment um, you folks because that first slide you have where you provide an alternate URL for, for the captions is one of the lessons that we've learned. Um, but, but I'd say I learned a lot about captioning and ASL. <laughs> but, to your point, but, but to your point, Joe, I mean, just the idea of, of, of also not having to worry about is, is the venue that you want to use for an event, is that physically accessible for a, a wheelchair user? Uh, or is it near a transportation line for someone who might be blind who, who would 
didn't then need to depend on a car. All of this stuff going virtual has, has, has been a game changer from that perspective. Totally. Exactly. And we can be so much more productive because, you know, you mm -hmm. could be taking a whole day to go, you know, travel to another city to have a, a client face to face, you know, right. but yeah, you just click a button and now that, that meeting's said, done. Yeah. Yeah, but that's all that's all that said. I am so looking forward to getting back in person and just because then nothing will ever replace that. Sure, this has opened up a lot, and I think we're going to end up. I think this is going to cause a bit of friction, to be honest with you, in terms of I think people are going to be uh, demanding more online or hybrid. Um, what I would caution people to understand, as someone who who runs events, is. The level of complexity when you need to then layer on uh, like a fully hybrid mm -hmm. approach to everything is a lot. So I think we're going to start getting to a point like in the years to come, though, where we're going to get back to the way things were. Uh, st stuff will still be some online, but let's not forget the power of being in person and what that brings. I've heard that the hybrid is much harder than either yeah. online or face to face. You know, it's kind of twice the work. Sorry, Jay. No, all good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm at a Toastmasters that does hybrid, so uh, <laughs> it's very complex and uh, and it makes it a lot harder, but it's really cool too. Great. Okay, what then? We've seen a lot of changes over the last decade. What needs to change next? Sort of one big thing. Do you think? Uh, you know, we're not. We haven't arrived. Still, ninety plus percent of websites are not. You know, very usable. So, what do you think is the next big step that needs to happen? We need to, from, from my perspective, we need to get all of those companies that build these web in a box or app in a box tools, which are used by the balance of people who know nothing about how to create websites or mobile apps. We need those companies to step up and, and start thinking about um, creating those, those tools so that when someone presses the button and says, create my app or create my website, that they're going to be accessible, uh, that they're going to be generating accessible code. So that's one thing that needs to happen. The other thing that needs to happen is we need to make sure that accessibility, we're not, I'm not talking about everything, but, but the bare bone, the concepts of accessibility must be required learning uh, at colleges and universities in computer science, design, engineering. Uh, as well as at these uh, boot camps uh, that are that are popping up everywhere, um, because it, there's no excuse now for like accessibility. It's not like it's a new thing. The the first accessibility guidelines came out in the late 90s, so this we're just now paying much more attention to it. But there's no reason why uh, computer science, engineering, and design uh, programs wherever a college and university cannot they should be teaching at least bare basics of accessibility. Joe, what do you think in terms of stuff? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head and there's, where do you begin? There's so many, so many angles, but I'd say that uh, we need to change the culture of the digital product development life cycle uh, in order to include accessibility, to understand that accessibility is usability, that your craft, when, whether you're a designer doing UX or programming, if you're unfamiliar with basic things, like for example, if you're doing a Skype type app and you're doing an online offline indicator with a green or red button, that folks that are colorblind, uh, for them, it's the exact same color. And so if you're unfamiliar with accessibility, then I hate to say it this way, but it's almost like you're a bad designer. 
Um, and so I, I feel like that has to be, become part of the culture and we need to stop talking about the statistics of the number of people with disabilities. I'll also add from a personal basis, um, my company is a digital agency that builds um, typically B2C software for enterprise and um, we, we are building accessibly by default. I just don't really know of any real competitors that are doing that where they, they go accessible by default. You can ask them to do it, but um, then you have to make sure that they even know how to do it right. And there are some organizations that know how, but they won't do it unless you ask them for it. And that's something that's got to change because the enterprise companies, uh, I think they want it for the most part, they want accessible websites. So, so let's, the, the service providers, the vendors have to do that rather than coming in afterward and doing an audit and remediation only, why not start, you know, in the right spot? Yeah, because you're ending up uh, ultimately then at that point, you're, you're, you're cleaning up tech debt. Um, yeah. I just wanted to sneak one more thing in, if I could, uh, mm -hmm. Robin, is if there are any angel investors or venture capitalists who are catching this, or if anyone uh, listening or watching this webinar knows them, they own the responsibility. They should be making uh, accessibility uh, a requirement to receive funding uh, for startups. There, there is no reason if, 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 if every startup was obligated uh, as part of the funding that they received to make sure that the, the, that accessibility was part of the MVP or the uh, minimal viable product, we'd be a lot further ahead. So uh, my challenge is uh, to venture capitalists, to angel investors, to, to, to all of those folks who are basically funding the technology we're all gonna be using in the future in the digital products, you own this. Uh, if you choose not to, to care about it, then you're part of the problem. We should make it very clear for people that aren't already aware that this is a legal requirement we're talking about here. We're not just talking about a nice to have optional extra. So yeah, absolutely. So last part of the interview, thank you so much, uh, is to respond to a question from our previous uh, month's guest and also to pass on something to the next month. So last month, Emma Pratt Richens of the BBC well, I think we've kind of covered this because she said, you know, what are your guys take? Oh, she was very complimentary about God and how far it's come and the brilliant, you know, achievements that it being in existence and, you know, raising awareness, etc., has achieved. So congrats there. She says, what about online events? And even when things return back to normal, do you think there will be um, still the appetite for online events? And I think, yeah. yeah, so I'll, I'll, take, I'll take this one. I think that there will absolutely still uh, uh, be online events because um, there are people who, who are, will not be able to make the in-person ones for whatever reason. Yeah. They're far from uh, a location. There might not be anything happening in their country. Um, but yeah, so there will absolutely still be uh, online events and who knows that like like five years from now how how we'll be meeting like i know that the uh a11y vr the virtual reality folks are hosting an event this uh this year in the virtual reality realm so yes uh, online is definitely not uh, not disappearing um and i think that will give us broader reach even um yep. yeah it's very democratizing absolutely i mean look at wwdc okay next Final question then, unless Joe, you wanted to throw something in on that one? Um, no, just hybrid conferences are, are gonna be there in the next yeah, few Yeah, I'm gonna join remotely. Sorry guys. <laughs> um, so final comment then, you mentioned Larry, that's spooky. So Larry is our next Larry Goldberg, Senior Director, Head of Accessibility at Verizon Media, is next month's 
guest. So any comment or question to yes. pass on to Larry? Yes, I would love to have, the question is, what are your thoughts on auto captioning technology and in particular their habit of censoring out content like swear words. And I'm gonna add a little color to this as well, because it's, when you're looking at it from the outside, you might have a very strong opinion of it um, and, and you might not think about what it goes into building this. But when you're thinking about it as a developer, you're saying, okay, here's a word I heard. I have an X percent confidence that that is the S word, right? Um, or the F word. And, if you do believe that somebody that is deaf should be allowed to hear swear words, right? There's also the factor that it might be the wrong word. So you might take something that's not a swear word and turn it into a swear word, which would be hurting the, the mm -hmm. company doing those auto captions. So it's a bit of a trick question, but, but uh, what do you think of censoring out content um, like curse words? That's my question. And I just wanted to shower all kinds of praise on La onto Larry for, for everything he's done for the accessibility industry and such, and just for being such an approachable leader um, and, mm. and someone I, I, uh, I have fond memories of hanging out and going to a jazz concert with Larry when we were at Texture uh, two years ago. And wow. uh, that will be a memory that will stay with me. But, but he's, Larry's got his hand in all kinds of uh, forward thinking things. Uh, he's involved with the XR Access. Uh, and Teach Access, which is trying to deal with the, that problem about education and accessibility, uh, making that a core requirement in curricula here in the U.S. But he's just, uh, you know, he, he has so much energy and is doing so many great things over at Verizon. And we, I just wanted to take this opportunity to, to acknowledge and to, and to thank him for, for just his keen enthusiasm. Brilliant. We'll definitely pass that on. I'm so tempted to add to your question, Joe, about um, audio description for adult content, because that's really toned down. I'm not advocating for it. I'm not saying that I personally want it. But, you know, if people with eyes can see it, why don't we get it? But anyway, that's I have no another... idea what adult content is. <laughs> no, no, me neither. Well, no, because we don't get the audio description. Anyway, cool. <laughs> or hardly. So, yeah, brilliant. Thanks both. That is so brilliant. I'm really appreciating, you know, it's such a busy time for you guys. Um, you just brought it on yourselves though. You've only got yourselves to blame, but anyway. Right, oh, and, and we, should, we should just say we, you know, uh, uh, like I, you can find me on Twitter at Jenison, J-E-N-N-I-S-O-N. Uh, Joe is at Joe Devon. So we're easy to find on Twitter if people want to follow up with us. Uh, follow the G-A-A-D hashtag uh, on all social media. Uh, we're we're going to be everywhere. I'm going to get Joe on TikTok, I think. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how we can do with that. Brilliant. Fantastic. One, Thanks for and, getting this in. And one more. Uh, submit your event. Do a GAD event and submit it at globalaccessibilityawarenessday.org and find events there as well. Brilliant. I'm so glad you got those in at the end. <laughs> Great. Thanks, guys. And Thank you. Yep. Thank keep you. up the good work. And I'm going to pass back to Annie to just do a bit of housekeeping and finish off the event. Thanks, Annie. Well, thanks so much, Jenison, Joe and Robin. Um, there are loads of questions that we hope to answer online in the next few days, and you'll receive an email with a link to access them. Um, so just finally a bit more information that might be of interest. Um, we also run online training sessions on digital accessibility, and you can find out more about them at abilitynet.org.uk forward slash training. Um, the, 
training courses are available for various roles. Um, and in coming up later this week, we have um, how to do inclusive usability testing on Thursday, the 6th of May. And then following that, we have um, on the 13th of May, how to begin your own accessibility testing. Then on the 20th of May, creating accessible graphics and social content. And then on the 26th of May, uh, a course aimed specifically at higher and further education professionals. It's um, how to grow your accessibility maturity. And then you can also sign up to our um, e-newsletter for the latest announcements about digital accessibility. You can visit our YouTube channel and also download our podcast. And then we have a, a suite of accessibility services to suit all types of organizations. And then just don't forget about our next webinars at um, abilitynet.org.uk forward slash webinars. So next month you can meet Larry Goldberg, as mentioned, um, from Verizon Media, and he will be joining us on Tuesday, the 8th of June. So once again, thank you again, Jenison, Joe and Robin and everyone that's joined us. And please do complete the feedback form that you'll be directed to at the end. And we'll be in touch with you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks, folks. I got to run. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jenison. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Sophie. See you online.